You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. The paradox of power. I want to talk to you today about some paradoxes that are going on in our lives. The Bible is full of paradoxes. Now, if in case you're wondering, what is the word paradox? What does it mean? A paradox means an absurdity. Two statements that completely disagree with each other are an apparent contradiction. Two contradictory statements. Something cannot be simultaneously black and white. That is a paradox. It's a contradiction. They don't agree with each other. I want to be sure that we're all on the same page. When we look at paradoxes, there's lots of paradoxes in the Bible. Jesus taught a lot using paradoxes. Let me give you an example of some kingdom paradoxes that Jesus uses. For instance, Jesus said, the first will be last, and the last will be? You see, that doesn't make any sense. It's not logical, but that's what Jesus said. He said, whoever finds his life will? And whoever loses his life? It's a paradox. By losing your life, you actually find your life. Jesus said this a long time ago, but now modern psychologists and sociologists are discovering that this is a very good thing. That when we give outside of ourselves, we actually have more life, not less. That giving actually increases us, not the way the other way around. Jesus said, the greatest will be the least, and the least will be the greatest. So if you want to go up in the world, you have to go down to get up in the world. You know what I'm saying? It's contradictory, it's paradoxical. He also says that whoever wants to be the boss must be the servant of all. Whoever wants to be, and in actual fact, if you look at how that paradox works out in governments and in governmental systems all over the world, you find that the less servant-hearted the leader of the country is, the more likely it is to head towards dictatorship. And that's the plain truth, because the country serves the, serves the president or serves the king rather than the other way around. One paradox, and the one I want to look at maybe more specifically today, is this one. Paul said, when I am weak, then I am strong. And that seems to me so contradictory, because when I look at my life, I go, when I'm weak, I'm normally pretty weak. I don't really feel a sense of strength when I feel weak. And that's the paradox I want to look at a little bit today. I'm going to dip back in to 1 Samuel um, chapter chapter 17 as I did last week but I'm also going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 just for a moment now last Sunday we were talking about the clash between David and Goliath though in some senses I actually think it's a clash between Goliath and David because quite clearly in the story it's Goliath who has the upper hand he is the one who's in control we talked about gravity and how gravity was actually against Goliath I'm not going to go into it too much we looked at that and we looked at it uh, when we were talking about one of them was a heavyweight and the other was a lightweight. One of them was strong, the other was weak. When we looked at them, we saw how uh, Goliath was fully armed, very superior in his arms. And we saw how David actually wasn't very superiorly armed. He came at Goliath with very, very little. And anybody who was placing bets, paddypower.com, were not putting money on David to win that day. And we looked at the story about how it, David came, 
He said, I'll take on this challenger. The challenger Goliath came out and said, send me someone who'll fight me. If he defeats me, we'll become your slaves. And if you defeat us, we'll become your slaves. And so David comes out as, as a type of Christ to challenge death and slavery. And in that, in this story, we see the work of Jesus at work. I'm going to complete just a little bit of that Christological act this morning, if you will bear with me, by diving straight back into the story and going into a few verses of it. May God bless us as we read his word this morning. May he speak to us as we look at it. May we take something away, perhaps to break off and give to someone else in these coming weeks or months in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When we read God's word, when we come in and we listen to the preaching of God's word, sometimes it isn't actually about us. It may not necessarily be about where we're at right at this moment. But you know something? It'll be where someone in your life is at in the next while. And so therefore, when we come and we listen to God's word, we're listening not only for us, but also for others. That's what God's word does. It feeds people. Let's have a look at what it says. As Goliath moved closer to attack, we dive straight into the fight. David ran quickly to meet him, reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone. He hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone, the stone sank in. Goliath stumbled and fell down to the ground. We're all familiar with it. He marches out lumbering and giant, full of weapons, full of aggression, full of strength, charges at David. But David, because he's felt and light and swift, and no burdens on him is able to move more quickly. And he fires a stone, one of five stones that he has picked up and put into his bag. And he fires it with a sling, something he would have used to get rid of wild animals. Or maybe just to play in practice with while he was being bored, minding sheep out in the middle of nowhere. And as Goliath is coming towards David, all he can see is this little black dot flying through the air. And then, dunk, into his forehead. And the stone sinks in, and this big lumbering giant falls down. And it's such a wonderful end, but that's not actually how Goliath died. Because we think David hit him with a stone, and killed him with a stone, and that was it. But that's not actually what happened. Here's what actually happened. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone because he had no sword. David ran over, pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath, and David used it. To kill him and cut off his head. We went to church this morning. And Pastor Michael, he talked about beheading our enemies. It's so, it was like going to an ISIS conference. <laughs> he cut off his head with his own sword. Hallelujah. Can you see the type and work of Jesus Christ at work here? Can you see the work of Jesus being demonstrated in this type here from the Old Testament? Remember what we said? I'm always saying it. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So what you do is you see these stories being worked out in the life and in the ministry and in the work of Jesus. And that's what we benefit from today. He uses his own sword, takes his weapons from him and takes off his head. And then this is where we come in. So if you will, you know, sometimes we read the story. We know, we know in our hearts and souls, the scripture teaches us clearly that at the cross, Jesus defeated the enemy. Would anyone say amen? And yet the enemy is still knocking around. He, but he's in retreat. Because this is also here in type. This is what it says. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they turned and ran. 
And then the men of Israel and Judah gave a great shout in triumph and rushed after the Philistines. And then the Israelite army returned and plundered the deserted Philistine camp. Can you see us? Remember last week I was saying that we are the army of Israel and we need a champion to save us. Hallelujah. His name is Jesus. We sang about him a minute ago. But that is where we then join the battle. Because death has been defeated by Jesus and we now march into the battle against a defeated enemy who is on the run but he's fighting a rear guard action and he is a dangerous opponent brothers and sisters but we overcome him in the name in the might and in the power of Jesus Christ and anyone say amen that's how we do it I love this image painted by Caravaggio of the young David coming back with the head of Goliath in his hand. Oh, Pastor, I was so upset by what I saw in church. I love this. Caravaggio painted in 1610, the Renaissance painter. And I, I just wanted to reflect on these for a moment. You know, in the book of Genesis, in part of the course of Genesis, the Lord speaks to Adam and Eve and he says that your seed will rise up and defeat the serpent. He will bite his heel, but he will strike his head. Would anyone say amen? His head will be struck. Can you see any heads being struck in this picture? Maybe if you can't, maybe you can see them in these verses. As soon as David returned from killing Goliath, Abner brought him to Saul with the Philistine's head still in his hand. The champion returns carrying his prize. The prize of the enemy. You see, we don't see this nowadays and to us it's appalling. But, but when... The O'Donovan brothers come back from the Olympics with a gold medal. They wear their Olympic medal around their neck, don't they? I am the champion, they say. I am the world champion. I am the Olympic champion. Or when somebody wins a prize, they normally take the prize around with them. And you see a team running around with the cup after winning the Champions League. They're kind of waving the cup and everybody's cheering. And David comes back with his prize. The head of Goliath in his hand. Amen. That's not a prize you want to see. David, what, what's that smell, David? <laughs> David took the Philistine's head to Jerusalem. He wasn't even finished with it. He took it to Jerusalem, but he stored the man's armor in his own tent. Again, we see the type of the work that Jesus did. That Jesus did. I want us, brothers and sisters, just to see the Jesus. Before we get to the us part of the story, it's important that we see the Jesus part 